0: Welcome back to Why Though. We are so pumped you are journeying with us through this relationship series. There's a lot to cover. I mean, we could just have a relationship podcast, Ashley. We could talk for days on this. Truly, we got you. You got your, you your in real life relationships. You got your online relationships. You got, you got those the people casuals. who drive you
1: crazy relationships. <laughs> I mean, we could do a solid six months on just the people who drive you crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> but then we would all be depressed and potentially that would be bad. So we don't need, we, we're trying to lift ourselves up out of the pit we've been in the last year. Pit to so um, it's to pit. Yeah, we're going to focus on the life, the life-giving things. The life-giving things. And a life-giving person in both
0: Ashley and I's life is the one, is the only, is Joy E. Reed. Woo! And Joy is a, is a friend of ours. She is both my literary and speaking agent. And And she is Ashley's speaking agent. And a little bit about her she is the founder of Punchline Agency, a literary and speaking agency for people good on the page and stage. That is very (laughs) joy. That is very you, Joy. Aside from managing and negotiating on behalf of authors and speakers, Joy consults with aspiring writers, speakers, and those seeking to clarify a message or idea. So you may be asking, Tiffany and Ashley, why are you having an agent during your relationship series? And this is why, people. Many, many moons ago, I saw Miss Joy post about this family vision casting time that her and her husband Matt do together and I was so inspired by it and asked questions and watched as she shared what it looks like to cast vision for a month, a season, a year at a time. And as we talk about relationships, especially in our marriage relationship, it is just So beautiful to think not only where we're at, but where we want to go. So she is going to share a little more about herself, and then we're going to get into why she does this, how she plans it, and some best practices that we can glean. So a warm wider welcome to you, Joy. Thank
2: Yay, you. Joy! am glad you're here. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. I, truly, I have, you know, I've known that your podcast is primarily just the two of you chatting it up, uh, but the first episode I ever listened to of why, though, uh, was you guys talking about Uh, the monarchy and this was long before all the you know hoopla and i was like i need to get on that podcast (laughs) so this roundabout way i've reeled you both in to be my speakers which by the way don't tell the others you guys are my favorite speakers um hopefully they won't listen in um but yes my husband and i do that uh we do several things um it's kind of our personality uh to Want to have a, a weekend away to plan over the year, and you did reach out about that. But, um, so I will share and answer any questions about that, it's not something we just keep to ourselves. Um, but yeah, Punchline, if you want to know a little bit about that, I know you guys do, but um, it's a speaking and, and literary agency. And I just, I was a public speaker, um, I was a blogger, vlogger, all the things back in the day. My parents have a relationship uh, ministry, they speak and write on marriage. And so I worked for them and um, throughout uh, that my time, I first directed their conferences and then um, I uh, heard so many people say, oh, I wish I would've known this 20 years ago. Um, And so I uh, started trying to serve my generation of 18 to 35 year olds. And, um, and then I spoke and I wrote, and then I created relationships with people who spoke and wrote. And eventually I was kind of getting pegged as like the singles spokesperson. (laughs) And I was like, you know what, I'm not for sure. I want to keep doing that. I feel like I've created all the content that I, that I need to create. I can put it out there. And um, so I kind of wrapped that up, but I still love, 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 uh, the world of communication, specifically public speaking. I just. Absolutely, I think it's one of the most brilliant art forms. That's why I'm in awe of you guys and um, And so through that I I already had relationships and now I I represent people and help them uh, Develop their messages. So that's that's my work Um, But as you can see my background was in you know marriage and relationships and dating and all those things and singleness And I think that when I was single I really prayed and hoped that you know when I was married I would um, you know think back to that time that I was single, (laughs) and um, really try to be present in both spaces, Uh, you know, be present in the fact that now I'm married, and and being married is hard, Um, but also be like, this was the thing that you were were hoping for, that you were dreaming of, and so we try Uh to be as intentional as possible, and I know not everybody wants to do these like vision casting things, but that's what we do, that's what we love to do, so I'm happy to share um, a bit about that. But I think it can apply for single people too. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yes. I agree. I love who I love who you are, Joy, and the way that you love people. And one of the things I think I'd love to hear about, I know we've got like some specific questions, but I feel like one thing you bring to everything, whether it's your online presence, your relationships with the people that work with you, your, you know, your parenting, your single life, your, all of the things, your marriage is this joy. You have this like glint in your eye and this dimple on your cheek. And I just feel like everywhere you go, you are able to bring this level of life and joy that is really refreshing. Like, does that come naturally to you? Or is that something that, you work at Um, because I I think that's so important to know because you also are a really high capacity person who has a lot on her plate like you do a lot of things so I'm just like how do you stay so full of joy and do you work at that or is it just a natural like God-given thing because that's so important and vital to marriage and
2: relationships (laughs) Uh, well I won't tell you about the hours that I was awake last night thinking about multiple things and feeling anxious (laughs) (laughs) Um, but no it is one of the filters uh, in terms of when I choose what plates I want to spin my mom always talks about she's like don't say yes to anything that's gonna rob you of your joy and I am joyful I get excited I I want to say yes to so many things I love people's ideas I love my own ideas (laughs) and and I'm like yes we can do it. we can do it and then you know my it's funny one of the things that I will mention is my husband and I meet every Sunday night and we plan out our week we kind of go over each other's schedules which I think became even Um. more important during the pandemic like we had to do it (laughs) we live we live in Paris normally in a 700 square foot apartment I was pregnant Uh, we now have two kids but I was pregnant and we had a a toddler and we were like we got to figure out all the things so you know we have to really dial this in but now it's become a rhythm and a practice that we we really um, appreciate but even last night we actually were doing it and usually it's wonderful but last night he was like I think you've taken on too many things (laughs) (laughs) Um, and, and I got offended, um, and I was not joyful in my response. Um, but it is, it's all, it's really, it, and I'm so much better than I used to be, but I, two things, one, I try to go this filter of like, is this going to rob me of my joy eventually? Like are all the little logistics that come with it because I am detail oriented. I am all those things, but you just get burnt out. You can't do it. So I've learned to be better at saying no, um, but I also feel like then for my online, you know, I guess persona, which is me, it, it really is me, like sometimes I'm like, I'm going to rant about something and my husband's like, you know, you really bring joy to people. I would just like stay in that lane. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, you know, I think there is space. I mean, I think you guys are both um, you such incredible examples of like speaking up and being a voice and calling People out <laughs> appropriately and wisely, right. um, but I also think I really, really desire to bring people joy. I it is my name, and I love comedy, and I love making fun of my kids <laughs> who are going to sue you me so one do. day.
0: Um, <laughs> truly, truly, you do. <laughs> uh,
2: but yeah, I, I don't. That's a long answer to your question of like it's both, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but thank you. That was kind. That's
1: beautiful. Mm. Thank you for sharing. I just you feel really so do it just feels so vital.
2: Yeah,
0: you really do. Truly, truly. Now, before we go, I do want to give you just a minute to comment on the Royals because this is something mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I have been so fascinated with your love hate relationship with the Royals. Maybe more love than hate. Maybe mine has evolved into love hate. <laughs> Maybe more hate. But um, as as an American yeah. who has had multiple dreams about either being part of the royal family, attending a bachelorette party for Meghan Markle, <laughs> this is something that's clearly in your psyche that's bumping or bouncing around. So I am so curious. Where are you currently at on all things royal post Oprah interview? I need oh, to know. Oh
2: man, oh man. Well, just to back it up and to clarify, Tiffany, that Tiffany is referencing that those dreams are mine because I share those with her because I know she has a mu- mutual fascination. Did <laughs> Very you lived in though. you lived in London for how long? Uh, on and off for three years. okay. Yeah. So you know, being in Paris, I feel like I'm my husband said, we moved we moved to Paris, so you could get one step closer to the monarchy. But again, this was pre <laughs> this was pre Oprah interview. But just to give a little bit of the why, the why, though, um is that I was born the same year as Prince William. And for my mm-hmm. whole life, I thought we had the exact same birthday. So I'd be like, yeah, Prince William, and I have the same birthday. And then you just kind of dream like somehow that's going to be like, that's going to be the conversation starter should you ever run into him and be like, hey, Will, did you know we have the same birthday? Like, that, that would make him want to hang out with me. <laughs> Turns out we don't have the exact same birthday. We're like a week apart. But that was my, like, childhood. And then I, like, I think because of that, I was just fascinated with them. I remember where I was when Princess Diana died. And then I had this huge book called Diana. And I remember like I remember being really fascinated when I watched, you know, talk about public speaking. When I watched her brother, do you guys remember her brother speaking at, at the, the funeral? funeral? Yeah. Yeah,
0: I do, actually.
2: And I was just like, whoa. Cause he called out the paparazzi. He thanked Dodi Fayed for giving her the best final years. Like he was the first disruptor of like really calling out the royal family. I feel like he was the pre-Oprah interview where yeah. Megan called mm-hmm. them out. And um, so that was super controversial. And I remember that and then I did a semester abroad in, did I tell you this Tiffany about my no. semester? Yeah, did a semester abroad in, in Africa and I, in college and I was in South Africa for six weeks in a in a hostel and you know, we're poor college students, but there's like, there was this really, really fancy restaurant and we were like, we were like, before we leave here, one night we're just gonna go and all we're gonna do is order dessert, but we have to go because it's like super fancy. And so it happened to be on Halloween night and we go go to this restaurant and there's this table of men, like, Kitty corner from us, and they like a couple of them came over and like talked to us. This sounds terrible, but um, they like came over and talked to us, and we were talking to them. And then I went to go to the bathroom, and a woman at another table like grabs my arm and is like, "Do you know who's at that table?" And I was like, "No." Like we just thought we were all be- <laughs> we were all friends, um, and they were just like these funny older older guys. Again, this sounds really sketchy. <laughs> And it kind of was, it kind of was, think about all the dumb things you did in college. But anyways. And
1: the things you will never let your daughter do. Never.
2: Do you know what I mean? Oh gosh. Isn't it a wonder we're alive? That's what I always feel like. So uh, she goes, that is Princess Diana's brother. And I was like. (gasps) No way. Get out of town. (sighs) And so then I'm like, I come back to the table and I'm like, girls, stay calm. I was like, that's Princess Diana's brother. That's what this woman said but I'm gonna, I'm gonna find out for sure like if it's true. So I go over to the table and I, I ask them, I'm like, so where are you all from? Because they noticed that we were from America and they, that was the whole lead-in. They were like, oh, it's Halloween. Americans love Halloween. Like, we know, we know this Halloween party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> long story short, I figured out it is him. And then they had the maitre d' drive up the majority of the restaurant he's like they're very good clients of us we'll drive you cuz there was like a big halloween party at this restaurant down the street we go we hang out with princess diana's brother for the whole the whole evening and he oh my yeah, gosh i know and he and then because we're young he's like i have daughters <laughs> so I'm so terrible he's like i have daughters i don't want you guys walking home in cape town like late at night by yourselves and he walked us home
1: no yes, he walked Look at us that. home Stand See, guys, guy. this is what we're talking about. This, we is talk
0: life. Life. Like, <laughs> this is Joy's life. This <laughs> is Joy's life. Truly, really.
1: Precisely zero sense. I only know one other person like this, and I'm just like, this, I can't believe this is your life. It is amazing, <laughs> truly. And you've she... like like 100 lives already, and you're not even 50. I, I mean, how did you do this? Like, what is going on? Well, Lord loves you. Are you his favorite? I mean, yeah, right, I right. think right. she might be. That I made <laughs> sketchy,
2: sketchy decisions and let, you know, a True. grown man walk me home. But um yeah so that just like that just upped it because i was like i was so close i was i was more than whatever the six degrees of separation i was no, one degree one degree and um yeah so then that just kept the obsession going strong then i was a huge suits fan and so then uh-huh. you know loved suits loved so it good. loved, loved suits. it and so then when megan markle got in with the family i was even more pumped and then then yeah the oprah interview i just was like yeah, it's been something. Yeah. I can't, I cannot say I am a fan. I mean, it's it's I am it's yeah, it's pulled the rug out from underneath me. <laughs>
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't grow up with the love of the monarch, but I did get more involved thanks to Tiffany and um yeah. my friend Catherine, who has also spent a chunk of her childhood yeah. in England. And yeah. so, anyways, they introduced me, but Megan, I've had such an obsession for. Her. And oh. then when they got married and all yeah. the beautiful things that they did at their oh, wedding, I was yeah. like, maybe there's hope for the monarch. Maybe yeah. they aren't white supremacists, yeah. even though they colonized the whole entire earth. Like, yeah.
0: maybe. While I was there, surrounded by English believers, they were quick to point out her love for Jesus and the way she honored Christ in, in her messaging and all of these things. But at the same time, yeah. there is this widespread understanding of colonialism and white supremacy and classism that you clearly can't deny. Yeah. And even white British people who love Jesus, there was this belief that they were farther ahead on an anti-racist journey than America, even oh, though they weren't. And so there was this kind of like false uh, false humility, if you will, of believing that they were farther ahead. And it's interesting now talking to some of my friends who are black and English, and they're like, yeah, the, the idea of here is like, oh no, this doesn't exist, rather than even getting to the place of acknowledging it. Like, oh, we already we already figured that out. We're already past that. Yeah. And so it's been a, and, and in many ways, you know, they abolished slavery, Many 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 years before America did so uh, I can see where they would be able to hang their hat on that But seeing how it's manifested in this present day, especially after that interview yeah. It's just this reminder that things are not as they should be
2: anyway. Yeah, yeah. no Fran- France is the same way. I mean they think that because they don't acknowledge race that somehow They're not racist and it's like right. they don't even have they don't take stock at com- It is illegal at companies to track race and in, mm-hmm. in elections, you can't track track race. And they mm-hmm. think that that somehow is making them not racist. <laughs> I'm Jeez. like, at least... After the court.
0: World Cup, after the last World Cup, that's when I started looking into that in France and their tra- knowing that yeah. almost the majority of the team was from the African diaspora in yeah. France. But then, the, you know, everyone's saying, like, actually, Africa won the World Cup, not yeah. France. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And looking into that and realizing just how... Much they do turn a blind eye to understanding race in France. It was, have you, have, it was wild. Did you watch the documentary Les Blues? I remember. I remember seeing something about that. I'm going to yeah. write that down. Yeah,
2: yeah, that I highly recommend. When we first uh, moved there, it, it's just a fascinating look into racism, but also integration. You know, even a lot of the you know people talk about all oh, the terrorist attacks that happened in France. They're from people who are third, second, third generation French but they've never been properly integrated because France has this, you know, egalite, that's part of their, we're getting off on a side tangent. but <laughs> <laughs> uh, So relationships,
1: <laughs> I just but want you know to it. It's good because I think that so many people, like I was thinking, as you guys are talking, I'm thinking about the Northeast of America, right? Because they won the Civil War and then that dismantled slavery supposedly, but in the Northeast, many people think they're not racist. But the truth is it's way, in my experience, it was more segregated and more racist, especially in its systems Mm -hmm. than any other place in America. And Mm -hmm. so I think that it's good to talk about this in relationships. I mean, when you do premarital counseling, there's a reason that you talk about your history, your family background, your ethnicity, your culture, how you do your finances, what school you went to, what, mm-hmm. what you hope for your children, because these are the reasons that people fight. You know? yeah. And yeah. these are the things that, yeah. the reasons that we fight in relationship, because one person might be able to see something that the other person is denying. Yeah. You know, it's like, we have all these different things that hinder us from connection. And we have so many ways to separate ourselves from other people. Yeah. And so even though this is totally a tangent, it's like, actually this is good and yeah. true about all of us.
2: Well, <laughs> and I think, yeah. I think it's connected. This also might yeah. be a stretch, but I feel, like one of the reasons, because I have tried to, I, I'm like what, my, my husband will ask, why are you so obsessed with the monarchy and like what is the draw? And I do feel like, like growing up, I grew up in Michigan and it was like, I didn't really know anything about like my roots. Then I found out like my last name is, you know, Egrich was German. So then in high school I was like, I have to take German in high school, which now living in France, really wish I would have taken French. <laughs> But I think I think there's something where inside of us we long, and as believers, this probably makes sense. Um, you know, we long for like an identity and to to belong yeah. to something. And so the monarchy is like really, it it for people, it's like this thing to like get excited for, cheer for. It reminds me, it's like Texas within America. Like Texans have such state pride. It's yeah, not saying it's good, I sure do. but yeah. it point it points to something that's within us to like have an identity and so then my jump is that my, (laughs) to this podcast topic, is that my husband and I always talk about making a family crest like we that's something we haven't done but we we've made some notes of like things that we want to like make into a crest and then put on like a signet ring and be Uh like this is our values this is what we stand for and even though the monarchy is things that we (laughs) now are uh, you know not wanting to stand behind there is something about like this is who they are this is their identity and they can cheer for that they can be excited about that and they can feel like there's a sense of belonging
1: Mm, that's I love beautiful. that that's beautiful. and so connected to history right like yeah. I think that's something that so many of us are missing in our lives is what is our heritage and we kind of have to make a new you know we have to identify those new values as we raise our families because we don't always have that sort of legacy handed down or maybe we did get some things handed down that we don't want to repeat in our families exactly. and so I love that idea of thinking about yeah. what are our values what would we put on a crest what would we hand yeah. down to the next generation like that's really beautiful
0: All right. So tell us a little bit more about what that looks like. I know you and Matt set aside time and he grew up in Vermont. Is that right?
2: Yes. Yeah.
0: Okay. So what does it look like to come together and cast vision over your season, over your, year? who you want to be, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, how you want to grow together? What started that? What was the, what was kind of the seed that was planted and how does that practically play out?
2: Yeah. I, well, we have three kind of main things that we do. And I, I'm trying to remember when it started. It was probably... Um... I want to say it was probably right when we moved to France um, kind of beginning of the year a weekend away and then the next year that we did it we always do it sometime in January Um, so we call it the Reed family retreat and uh, we have like a document that we go through um, and it's you know it's a compilation of questions and prompts uh, my, my husband is such a collector of wisdom. Um, he can quote, you know, so and so said this thing to me, and so and so. I mean, like, I forget what somebody told me two minutes ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but from all of his, like, wealth of, of wisdom and just kind of the experience that I've had in, you know, intentional vision casting, things like that, we put together this document and we're like, okay, let's do this every January. And let's try at the end of the retreat to kind of pick. Where we might go next, and and have this retreat, and we even we did it in London uh, when our daughter Millie was uh, (laughs) six weeks old, and we stayed at the um, uh, the the, uh, what's that like hipster hotel, the Hoxton, the Hoxton. Oh, yeah, we'd never stayed there. Portland too, right? Yeah, 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 not not a place necessarily to stay with a a six month old. but I remember we were down, we were down in the like lobby one evening at like five o'clock, and going through this document together. And there was just already drunk British people. <laughs> and this one woman came up to us, and this is my terrible British accent. She was like, "Oh, I love what you're doing with the little baby, and you're so like, just like loved that we were like filling out this document together while well, they're all hammered, and we're still like, we're still living life in their opinion uh, with having a baby. So we have made it a priority, even when we when Millie was older. We we went to Amsterdam and we, through mutual friends, like arranged for childcare, And, you know, and then this year we were here in Michigan with my family. And so my parents took the kids. And it's just something that we're like, we have to be super intentional with this. And it really does set the course for the rest of our year in a really great way. We also look back on the previous year. So we go through a, a list of questions. So Um, there's these kind of main filter questions, which were, these were not original to us. Um, but we have different topics that we cover and ask the questions, what's right that needs to be optimized? What's wrong that needs to be fixed? What's confused that needs to be clarified? What's missing that needs to be added? And those four questions, if you filter them through family, budget, uh, work, uh, relationships, it is, such a conversation start because some of you might be like well i know i'd be up for doing this but i don't you know i don't know about my spouse but like those kind of questions actually you know really open the door for someone to maybe say something they've kind of been sitting on mm-hmm. <laughs> um, in a way that's like really beneficial because you're both in it together you're going hey we're trying to find answers here and so um you know that's that is one thing that we also do like before we get started we look at each other and we go hey we're on the same team some of these conversations might be difficult, but let's take a few breaths. We're on the same team. Let's—we're we're, gonna—we're tr- trying to make our life like have like importance and significance, and yeah. not just like get to the end of our life and be like, "What were we just doing?" <laughs> um, so we take those questions, and then we we go through different topics. So we um, have key relationships. We ask like what are the key relationships in our life because we know there's different seasons before we got married we could have we could really invest and go deep with tons of people now that we're married we're like hey we probably have to narrow this list down to like our family and a few friends, and those are the people that we're really going to try to invest in. So we talk about who that is, and um, and cut who isn't. Yeah. <laughs> um. Which which is it's actually an okay and a good thing to do in our opinion. So we do that. Then we talk through our family rhythms, like what what do we want our daily life to look like Um, what are our health goals what are our tasks Um, what are our chores you know like you do this I do this is that working do we need to change that um then we talk through our kids development we talk through our family budget we and then uh, you know I'm a you know an entrepreneur my husband has a corporate job but we we do a filter of asking these questions about both of ours and really dive in like we look at my you know business budget like all those things and it's really it's really fun and we dream and we plan um and then we talk about generosity and you know where we're giving um and and to who and to what um and then we talk about the things that we're grateful for and then we talk about where do we want to be 10 years down the road spiritually professionally relationally and physically so we do hour. We plan it out hour by hour, um, but we weave in really fun stuff too, like going to really cool restaurants, napping, <laughs> um, you know, going for a walk, and then we just have these chunks where we sit down and we we work through this worksheet together. So. That oh my
0: is gosh. so powerful. I love it. Woo. Me too. <laughs> can you say those questions again? Yeah. F- even I mean, just those four. Qu- like I'm like, oh my gosh, I want to go do this right now. Yeah. This is so powerful. Yeah. And, was... I'm, and and obviously, I'm sure you do. You set aside once a year, mm-hmm. but these are things I'm sure you have benchmarks that you check in on. Yeah. You know, like, hey, how are we actually doing at that? But can you read those four questions again?
2: Yeah. We actually now we ask you know, we're not like psych, that's the thing is we hold everything loosely, you know, and I think like Matt's personality is a little bit more laid back. I'm a little bit more intense and thankfully we've found a way to kind of meet in the middle. (laughs) And so now on Sunday night when we look through our like week at a glance calendar and Mm. put down our schedule and when our meetings are, all of that, we'll say like what's, you know, what's confused that needs to be clarified. So that's one of the questions. What's confused that needs to be clarified? What's missing that needs to be added? What's wrong that needs to be fixed? What's right that needs to be optimized? It's kind of a whole bunch of ways to ask a very similar question. Um, It just, I think what it helps to do is like frame um, productivity or confusion in different lights. And um, so that was last night uh, when he said, I said, you know, is there anything confusing here that needs to be clarified? And he was like, you know, I think you've kind of taken on a little bit too much right now. And you've, you seem a little distracted because we really try to not work at night. Um, but I've been doing some things and I've been working at night. And we're, that's, we give grace for that. But he was just like, be careful that you don't get to this point. Because sometimes I'll get to a point where all of a sudden I'm like, I can't do it all. And then I just like, uh, you know, cut a bunch of stuff out. Um, and so instead of getting to that point, I think he was just kind of, because we'd ask these questions all the time. And because we do this annual retreat, we've taken stock on what's working and what's not. So now instead of like getting to that point where I, you know, kind of shut down and have to cut a bunch out, we know the warning signs because we've talked it through. And it really, it, it makes things a whole lot easier in the long run.
0: (laughs) One of the things that sticks out to me that I love about this is it's, in the name of prevention, before yeah. things hit the fan,
2: yeah. before you're
0: like, hey, I don't want to be with you anymore, or this isn't working, or yeah. I'm done, or peace out. It's like, no, how can we operate from a place of health before we're running on empty? And yeah, I think that is just so necessary and so beautiful before you feel like you can't keep going anymore. Um, and, you know, it doesn't, I, for those listening, and you're like, oh, wow, that, that's, that feels so impossible find a way to make something similar your own if this works for you if it doesn't but take what take what works one of the things that i even am thinking of like man on my anniversary that'd be a perfect time to sit down and ask these questions maybe that's a good time or whenever works for you because it it really is and it doesn't have to be this like (laughs) every day are we working on these things but really checking in because i think we can look back on a year especially in a pandemic year and if we didn't feel like we had Um, a compass going anywhere and be like, oh, what is my life? And obviously there's room where things go wrong. Don't get me wrong. But I think if we can have some direction, this feels very John Maxwell, doesn't, it, you guys, but if we can have a direction, I think it can just save us a lot of heartache, a lot
2: of heartache. Yeah. And it's, it's, it yeah, like exactly what you said, it's preventative medicine. And I think what it also does is it, you know, some people might see this as work and um, and I agree with you, you could bring it up on an anniversary dinner, you could, you could try to break it up a bit. But I will say the the one thing I would really recommend is make sure there's buy-in for both of you. I would say mm-hmm. you don't don't just spring it on your spouse at dinner and be like, hey, I, I listened to this podcast, I heard these questions, and then we're just gonna dive in. Yeah. I think I would say, let's talk about I, I heard this stuff on this podcast, I'm intrigued by it. Would you want to carve out a day, or would you want to carve out a, a long dinner? Um, and so then there, it's like you you're doing it as a team, and you both yeah. have chosen chosen to do this thing. And then the other thing that it yields that I think we just don't do enough is it causes you to pause and celebrate. And so the right. way will will you know under those topics that I told you, it's there's a lot of like you know what's right that you know, needs yeah. to be optimized or what's needs to be clarified or, or then like when you get to your work stuff or your family stuff, what are the things that we can celebrate? And then we have a whole section on gratitude. Mm. Um, you know, what are we grateful for? And you, sometimes you just don't pause to stop and go like, I did this thing. We did this thing. Our kid did this thing. We just right. keep moving. And that's where I feel like having these retreats have been so wildly, like energizing i just don't i don't want to get to my deathbed and be like i i flew through this life right because we do i think all three of us we love we love taking life by the reins and doing a bunch of stuff but like what is that you know um if we can't stop and for a moment in the present And just be like we're we're in it we're in the thing that we were planning for five years ago or the thing we dreamed about when we were single we're in it right now let's take some stock on it and celebrate and you know if you're a christian like praise god for it and ask him what he wants you to do next you know so i love that so much and i i think i
1: love what you said too about just like it feels like work because i share that that feeling and my husband does too. So if we were to do it like over a date night or something, if something hard came up, I feel like that would frustrate us more mm-hmm. than it would help us. So to have some time carved out that's specific to this to really mm. think through things it feels better to to me. And plus he's a he loves fun. Like that is yeah. so important in our relationship. So yeah. you know if it's not gonna be fun, then he's like, I don't know about that. So I think it would be important to set out that time. So if something hard does come up, then yeah. nobody's stressed. It's like we're expecting this. We're expecting for of this to feel uncomfortable we're expecting some of this to feel exciting we're expecting to have a little bit of regret or a little bit of doubt or a little bit of confusion like that feels really good to just sit down and take that time and i really just i love how you guys do this in your marriage and i think in general we have a problem with Reflection mm-hmm. in the West. You know, we don't take enough time to reflect or to meditate or yeah. have any sort of contemplative practices where we can really just honor God and trust Him. And I'm really trying to continually move to a place of trust and continually move to a place of rest. And in this last season, God, one of the phrases that God keeps speaking to me, especially like I'm four months postpartum, mm-hmm. you know, like after the year that we've just had, I feel like okay, I want to capture some of the identity of rest again, and mm-hmm. um, and, and and engage. With that, in a way that is so good for my soul, and the phrase that keeps coming up in um, in my prayer time is just, "I can do more in your rest than I could ever do in your striving." And I when I came you. back last night from our first vacation in five years um, as a married couple, and you know, because obviously we have three kids under six, it's very hard to vacation with everyone. Mm-hmm. And I got to go like on a little retreat over the weekend by myself and just be a human, you know. And after coming back, when I could tell you that. Everything in our front yard and our backyard, everything in our garden completely brimmed, bloomed. Like our pomegranate tree didn't have a leaf on it. It's mm. fully bloomed. Mm. Our, you know, we have another tree in our backyard fully bloomed. We have all these plants completely bloomed. There was not a rose on our rose bush. And now it is, there's at least 30 buds on every one. And mm. they're blooming, they're full, and they're luscious. And I just feel like the Lord through creation is constantly telling me, like, I will do more in your rest than I will ever do in your striving. And it's so beautiful to think about God that way and then our relationships that way and then our marriage that way you know to think like I'm gonna set aside this time to remember God what you did and I'm going to set aside this time to love my person by saying is this working for us is this working for you you know what do we need more of in our life in order to feel fulfilled and what do we need less of you know I could just I think this practice is so beautiful for us and again I love what Tiffany said about making it your own like every person listening make it your own and if you're single I feel like I was better at this when I was single single. I don't know if that's true for you guys or for you. I know you were single for a long time too, but I could sit down and just be like, God, look what you did last year and, Mm. you know, write out the things to celebrate. And then for some reason we get on the grind a little bit and it gets harder. So I encourage you, even as a single person, you can do this and sit and reflect about what might be confusing in your life and what might be missing that needs to be added and all the other things that Joy has shared with us. So I don't think this is just for married people. And I really appreciate what you shared. Yeah, I love that it's both preventative
0: medicine, it also gives room to celebrate, to grieve, to reflect, Mm -hmm. and at the same time it's an investment. It's such an investment that will yield so much. So, so, so much. And to think that what could bloom because we're willing to rest and take a minute and look at this. Um, bird's eye view. I also just want to say y'all when Ashley's talking about bloom, it looks like a friggin' secret garden at her house right now. <laughs> like somebody could get married in her backyard and it would just be already be decorated. Like it's, it's next level. That front yard, I, I had to pick my favorite flower from the picture she sent me because it was like, I was like, I'm sorry, are you running a floral shop? What is happening here? It's it was
1: unbelievable.
0: Yeah. It was beautiful. <laughs> well, listeners, we're so glad you're on this journey with us. If this resonated with you, share it with a friend. Get to know Joy in your life. She is hilarious on the Instagram. Mm-hmm, we'll link all of her stuff. Also, just a quick shout out, Joy, you have a book coming out. For those of you who are aspiring writers, um, Joy's your girl. Joy is personally my <laughs> literary agent and the the walk with her has been one I've treasured. Not only did I gain a book deal that <laughs> yielded, I mean, just was beyond my expectation, I gained a friend and a doula of sorts. And so Joy, (laughs) would you just give us a little bit about this book coming out uh, in about a month and, and who it's for and what it can help with them on their writing journey?
2: Yeah, well, it's um, it's called Get to the Publishing Punchline, a fun and slightly aggressive thirty-day guide to get your book ready for the world. And I say slightly aggressive because, um, you know, I I give insight into the the publishing industry, whether you go the traditional route. Or the self-publishing route, but I feel like so much of it feels secretive to so many people, and just like questions that they're always trying to figure out. Um, Ashley, I know you help people with proposals sometimes, and uh-huh. it's just this thing where it's like nobody knows—you don't know what you don't know—and you know who knows? I might get in trouble by the publishing industry <laughs> for sharing these secrets. But I'm kind of like, I, there's too many people that I I can't I can't represent everybody, but right. I also feel like I can tell you what I know, and I can tell you what I like to see as an agent, and I can tell you what publishing industry is looking for, and I can tell you how to figure out if you should traditionally publish or self-publish and why both are great options. Right. Um, and so I put that into a book and and kind of shared my journey of um, – long time ago when I did speak and write, um, I did get a book deal. I I, that was the first time my dad was like, I I think you have the personality, which I don't know if that was a compliment. I think you have a personality (laughs) of an agent. I think you can do this yourself. And so I learned, I figured it out. I learned contracts. I did it, but I got a book deal um, without doing the proposal process. And so I kind of had to do things backwards. And I realized that the proposal process that I take my authors through is so clarifying for your message and your content, whether you actually write a book or just figure out that this idea you have in in your head is actually better for a screenplay or a a news article or something else, the process that you have to go through to clarify your message, I had to do it after the book deal and it made writing the book so much more wonky. Now, long story short, I ended up writing the whole book and then sending my advance back and not publishing it. Wow. But... I learned the process. So I share kind of how I learned the industry, my whole journey in a fun kind of lighthearted way because I think people freak out and I'm like, let's just add some humor into this. There's a tons of illustrations that are funny. And um, so my hope is it's just kind of this handbook and this guide to get people, um, to get a ton done in 30 days and feel like they're so much closer uh, to their book writing dreams than ever before.
0: So. I will say, I've, I've had a chance to read through it. And if I would have had this six, seven years ago, when I started to dream about publishing, I would have gone a lot farther, a lot faster. <laughs> so truly, if that is something you're interested in, this is a way Joy can serve and help you along the way. Why though listeners, thanks for joining us. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. Hey, listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.